welcome uh, to New Philly Pusan Sunday service. Uh, my name is Mina. I have not been on the pulpit in a mighty long time. It's been a couple years, um, but here I am today. Uh, I'm one of the uh, campus pastors here. And in the month of September, we have been preaching a sermon series on the Holy Spirit. Okay, and so uh, Caleb preached a couple sermons about who the Holy Spirit is, that he's the third person of the Trinity. He's not a mystical force, okay, but he's a person. Um, And how when we receive Christ, he now comes and dwells within us as a deposit and a guarantee. Also that uh, he partly gives us fellowship uh, with God and fellowship with one another. And I think the last one he talked about was intimacy with the Holy Spirit. Okay, that the Holy Spirit can sometimes be sensitive and be grieved by things that we do. And so that it is our job to learn about him, to become intimate with him, and do what he likes to be in um, fellowship with him. Okay, today I'm going to be talking about the empowering work of the Holy Spirit. Okay, uh, so let us actually quickly bow our heads as I pray. Uh, Lord, uh, we give this Sunday over to you. God, we thank you for the awesome weather, although it is very humid. Uh, but Lord, we thank you that, God, that you're with us. We invite your spirit here, uh, God, to just show us through the scripture and through your word and to give us a fresh revelation of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. All right, so let's, uh, so today, you know, uh, usually when I preach, I have this, like, printed uh paper full of all the verses. Okay, today I'm actually going to look in the Bible, and this I realize because when I'm sitting in the audience and I hear a preacher and I'm trying to like flip through my Bible or my phone, it's like too fast. Okay, so uh, we're going to be looking at the book of Luke and the book of Acts. Okay, so I would uh, highly encourage you guys to follow along. Okay, also in your smartphone apps, it's all good. Okay, uh, but today, I'm, uh, the version I'm going to be using is New King James Version, okay? But whatever you guys like, if you guys can just follow along, it'll be fine, okay? So I'm going to, uh, let's go back to Luke 24. Thank you, Ine, for reading for us. Okay, so Luke 24, I'm going to be reading from verse 44 again, okay? And then we're going to kind of be just going through the scripture together, okay? All right, Luke 24, verses 44 to 49, Then he said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you. Okay, this is Jesus. That all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scripture. Okay? Do this, Lord. Okay? Then he said to them, thus it is written and thus it was necessary For the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, everyone say, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Okay, so if you look at this version, actually, in the New Kings James Version, I'm going to talk about the word tarry a little bit, okay? Because in some versions, it says wait, okay? Wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. But here, in this version, they use the word tarry. Okay, tarry, this is actually like an active imperative, 
which means that Jesus here, he's giving a command. And uh, this word actually means to make, to sit down. Now, isn't that a little strange? Because now he's been with the disciples, he's on the cross, he's resurrected. And if you're a disciple, you're like, oh yeah, now we got to get moving. Uh, God's spoken all these prophecies and all these things in his scriptures. If it were me, I'd be like, all right, all right, what do we do next? Let's go, let's go out, let's do these things, okay? But Jesus here, he says, hold on, sit down, wait uh, for in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Okay, Luke 24, 49 says, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city. This is the ESV version. Until you are clothed with power from on high. Okay, if you look at the word power here, uh, it's in the Greek, it's actually dunamis, okay, which means miraculous power or ability to, f- to perform. Okay, this is where the English word dynamite comes from. Okay, dynamite's pretty powerful, right? Okay, let's go now. Let's flip over to Acts chapter 1. Oh, I like those pages flipping. Sounds nice. Oh, now everyone's doing it louder. (laughs) Okay, so we're going to look at Acts chapter 1. So uh, Luke is also the writer of Acts. Okay, so here he's giving another review of what I just read, but in a different form, okay? All right, so let's go to, okay, Acts chapter 1, verse 4. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Together, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Okay, we're going to stop right here, okay? All right, so here, this account... It's talking about how Jesus is saying to them, okay, you guys have to wait. And the disciples are like, wait, wait, what's going on? Now you've died and resurrected. Are you going to come take power in Israel? Okay, because in the Jewish mindset, they thought that their Messiah was going to be a military, like a militaristic power. Okay, right now they're like, oh, we want, we want power. We're going to reign on this earth. So he's like, hey, okay, now you're, you're strong now. Now you're filled with God's spirit. Are we going to restore Jerusalem? Are we going to restore? And he's like, it is not for you to know. Okay, don't get ahead of yourself, guys. It's not for you to know these things, but you shall receive power. And he gives them a command. How annoying is that? You know, I do that to my kids a lot. They tell me, like, Mom, I want this thing. Can you give me this? And they repeat themselves. Hello, Mom, can you please give me this? Mom, Mom, and I say, wait. Did you clean your room? No. Please go clean your room and wait. (laughs) They get so annoyed with me, right? But I imagine if I was the disciples, I'm here getting ready. I'm like, yes, we're finally not going to be the little peeps anymore. We're going to be in power. But God says, it's not for you to know, but wait. Okay, so we read later that the apostles... 
they return to Jerusalem and they go into the upper room. Yeah, I find it interesting because if you read further down, uh, Luke actually names every single apostle, okay? So you read this, all 11 apostles uh, go to the upper room. And if you read a little bit further down, it talks about 120 people gathered. Okay, let's go to um, Acts chapter 1. Okay, verse 14. Okay, this is after they talked about the apostles' return. Okay, 114. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women. Woohoo! And Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Okay, this like this fancy Bible right here is actually like a woman's Bible. Ooh, okay, so it like highlights the women in the Bible, which I like. Okay, because for many, many centuries, we were overlooked. And so I believe... Women are powerful, okay, amen. Um, and so, okay, so they, they follow the commandment now. They go to the upper room to wait. Okay, now what I do want to point out is if you read 1 Corinthians 15, okay, Paul gives an account that actually Jesus talked to 500 disciples, okay, and he told them the same command to wait. Okay, but we read here that in the upper room it's only 120 people. Okay, so are you guys good at math? Okay, I love math. Okay, 120 divided by 500 is 24%. That's like F minus minus. Okay, so only a quarter of the people actually listen to the command to wait. They gather together, and then we're going to read further about what happens. Okay, but I do want to kind of point that out. Okay. What's interesting is, is Jesus taught for 40 days. Okay, we see that this in Acts 1, that he gathered all the disciples. Okay, let's go to Acts 2, uh, verse 1. This is the day of the coming of Pentecost. Okay, so let's read, read along. This is uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Okay, I'm going to stop here, okay? The day of Pentecost was actually the Feast of Weeks. Uh, which, if you look oftentimes in the New Testament, it parallels with the Old Testament feast, okay? So the Feast of Weeks was 50 days after the Passover, right? So what do we see? <laughs> Jesus taught for 40 days, and then now they're gathered 50 days, which in actuality is only 10 days. Okay, that's a week and a half, Okay. Just let that marinate a little bit, okay? It's a week and a half, okay? A week and a half, 10 days, he gives the command, wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. 10 days later, there's only a quarter of them that are actually listening to this command. Oh my goodness. Ooh, that convicts me, okay? A lot of times, sometimes you know that God has given you command, but isn't it hard to wait? How many times has God given a promise? You will be married. And years and years. And there's no man. And all you see is this chubby guy. And you like thin, tall guys. I'm talking about myself. And I got prophecy about my marriage from 2009. I got prophesied by so many people, like really high-level, famous speakers. They always talk about, you know, we never prophesy about marriage, but me now, I want to prophesy to you about my, your marriage. This happened three times. And I was like, all right, where's my tall, skinny, reserved man of God? 
Okay, if you know Caleb, you know everything that's opposite, okay? Amen, I love him. And God knows what we need. Even though that's not exactly what we want, he knows what we need. Amen. All right, so he gave the promise, 10 nights passed by. Okay, here, we go back. Let's go to verse 2. And suddenly, everyone say suddenly. There came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. Okay, so this is talking about the Holy Spirit was poured out on every single one of them, did not leave anyone behind, okay? Uh, verse 4, And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the spirits gave them utterance. Amen. Okay, so here we see that the Holy Spirit is poured out. Okay, the promise of the Holy Spirit, which God, Jesus himself said would happen. Okay, and then we read later. Okay, let's go to Acts 2, verse 17. Okay, so, oh wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, sorry, let's actually continue, sorry. All right, let's go to uh, verse 5. So Acts chapter 2, verse 5. This is the crowd's response to what they're seeing, okay? And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia. It's a lot of stuff. Egypt, blah, blah, blah. Keep going. Okay. Cretans, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Others mocking said, they are full of new wine. Okay, so we see a couple things here. Okay, the Holy Spirit's poured out. Okay, we see a visible manifestation so that people on the outside are like, huh? what is this? Are they drunk? What's going on? They're confused. They're perplexed. Okay, so we see that people see and people actually hear after the Holy Spirit is poured out. Okay? All right, so... Uh, Peter starts to explain this because people are like, Peter's like, hey, 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 guys. Okay, let's go to verse 17. Oh, sorry, verse 15, Acts 2.15. So Peter is now explaining this weird phenomenon that has just happened, okay? For these are not drunk, verse 15, as you suppose, since it's only third hour of the day. It's like 9 a.m. He's like, they're not drunk. It's only 9 a.m., okay? But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And all my men servants and all my maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. Okay, so Apostle Peter is saying, hey, this is really strange and it looks really weird. And these people are not of your native tongue, okay? But the manifestation was of another language, okay? And he says that this is the prophecy fulfilled from Joel chapter 2, the promise of the Holy Spirit, okay? Now, let's see. Let's go now to Acts 2.38. Okay, 
Okay, so you guys there? Acts 2, 38. Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Okay, so Peter here, he's making a clear distinction that there's two separate instances. You can get saved, and then there's a separate instance of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, I do want to clarify this term, baptism of the Holy Spirit, is not actually, that terminology is not in the scriptures. Okay, but as you'll see today, um, that there's different kinds of terminology. Oftentimes, it's talking about being filled or baptized with the Holy Spirit. Okay, but that actual term, baptism of the Holy Spirit, is not in the scripture. Okay, but I want us to kind of look today, I'm going to talk about four different accounts of people being filled with the Spirit. Okay, so if you're ready, say amen. Okay, I want to uh, note again that remember, sometimes and oftentimes, being filled with the Spirit is a separate experience from being saved. And then remember, that, take a kind of like a notes that bystanders can often see and hear. Okay, so let's go now to Acts chapter 8. This is uh, what the first account that I'm going to mention. Okay, Acts chapter 8, verse 14. Okay, so here, uh, Pete, is it Philip? Yeah, Philip, he goes to Samaria. Okay, which is, these are Gentile believers, they're not Jews. Okay, he preaches the gospel, they get saved. All right, so we're going to be reading from verse uh, 8, 14. Now, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them, they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Okay, I'm going to pause right here. Okay, so they had heard that the Sumerians have gotten saved. Okay, and then they send the apostles down to Samaria. Now, now we have cars, we have airplanes, we have uh, electric scooters and all kinds of methodology to go from one place to another. Okay, but back then, I think they just had camels, right? Or donkeys, or, or very, very, very slow animals, okay? Uh, scholars say that the road from Jerusalem to Samaria was at least a day to three days journey, depending on whether you're walking or whether you're on an animal, okay? So you see here, they thought it was critical that these new believers, now the apostles must, must get sent on this long, tiring journey for them to be filled with the Spirit. Okay, so let's go back to Acts chapter 8, verse 17. Then they laid hands on them. This is talking about Peter and John. And they received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money. Okay, Simon was like a sorcerer. Saying, give me this power also that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Okay, we're going to stop here. So we see that Simon, he used to be a sorcerer. He's like all into witchcraft, okay? And so he sees, oh, power is happening. There's a visible sign. And he's like, I want that. Let me give you guys some money for that same kind of power, okay? So we see that it's 
something that people see and hear. Okay, I, I kind of want to go like on a side tangent. So, you know, like these days, new age stuff, have you guys noticed, is really like on the rise? Even if you're walking around Korea, you see like, a, especially like Nampodong area, there's like a ton. You see like all those tents of like tarot card readers and palm readers. Now, I think this points to something that's very in our human nature is God's given us and desired for us to have some kind of supernatural experience, right? So for people who don't know God and they're hungering for these, like, because they want answers. They're like, oh, is my daughter going to get into this university or what should I name my daughter and all this stuff. People are hungry for supernatural experiences and direction, okay? When they go to these places, it's just a wrong outlet, okay? But God, he desires for us to be filled with the spirit, amen? Okay, so that's the first account. Okay, let's go to Acts chapter 9, verse 17. Okay, this is the second account of uh, someone being filled by the Spirit. Now, this is Saul and Ananias. Okay, so Saul, he has this encounter on Damascus. He's like walking. Remember, he's getting ready. I'm going to kill all these Christians. Okay, there were no guns back then. Sorry, guys. Okay, so... He's walking on the road, and then he has this encounter with God, and he's like, who are you? He's like, I am Jesus. Stop persecuting me. Okay, so I believe that Saul got saved on that road, okay, and he goes blind. Okay, so we're now on verse 17. And Ananias went his way and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. Okay, I want to point something out here. Okay, so if you look at um, verse 17, it talks about be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, the word here, be filled, is talking about filled to the maximum, okay? Okay, and later it says he arose and he was baptized. This Greek word is talking about immersion. Okay, so he receives the Holy, he receives God, he gets filled with the Spirit, and then later he gets water baptized. Okay, so this is like a, a different order than what happens. Because in Samaria, they received God, they were water baptized, and they're filled. Okay, God's not particularly on order, okay? All right, let's go to the third account. This is Acts chapter 10. Uh, verses 44. Okay, so here, um, Peter, now this is cool. Remember that at the time, the gospel was only for the Jews. Okay, so Peter, he's on the roof, and he's praying, and he falls into this trance. I'm, like, so curious what that would be like. Okay, well, he falls into this trance, and he starts seeing all these, like, defiled and foods, weird foods, and God says, what does he say? He says, Ah, I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And God says, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. Okay, so God's giving Peter a supernatural trance to show him that he's sending the message not only to the Jews, but also to the Gentiles now, right? Okay, so let's go to 44. This is after Peter, he preaches the gospel, okay, to the uh, Cornelius and the Gentile believers, okay? So uh, Acts 10, 44. 
While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision, he's talking about the Jews, the Jews, who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Okay, there was a, the visual, okay? Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay a few days. Now this is like a really interesting account because this is the only time in scripture where the two things happen at once. Okay, they get saved and they get baptized by the Spirit all at once, and, and then we see, right? So I, I was like, kind of like, what, what, why did this happen? And I, I believe that it's because Peter, he has this mentality the whole time. The Jews are like, okay, the gospel or the salvation is only for the Jews. He gets this mind-transforming thing saying, hey, hey, it's going out to the Gentiles now also. I feel like God had to show up powerfully to be like, hey, hey, it's going out to the Gentiles also, okay? All right, the last one is, par uh, last account of being filled is Acts 19. Am I talking fast, guys? I'll slow it down. Okay, sometimes I get excited, I talk fast. Okay. Uh, Acts 19, let's go to verse 1. Okay, we're going to read verse uh, 1 through 7. So at, this is Paul at Ephesus. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And, founding, and finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not so much as heard... <laughs> the reason for the delay today, okay? <laughs> All right, where were we? Okay. Uh, verse two and a half. So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. Okay, the first uh, baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him that is on Christ Jesus. Verse 5. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on him, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now the men were about 12 in all. Okay, so here we see that they were disciples. They had no idea of the Holy Spirit, and then Paul laid hands. And they received the Holy. Uh, they received the Holy Spirit. I'm going to talk a little bit about the empowering of the Spirit. Okay, so a lot of what Caleb preached about was what's happening in the inside. So you remember when you get saved, Holy Spirit comes, and there's like an indwelling work of the Spirit. You start to get convicted of things that were okay before. It's like you start, you know, you get that like little like guilty nudge. Okay. The fruits of the Spirit are starting to work in you. So you become more patient and kind. 
as you dwell in God, because you know that's very hard, okay? Your character gets built. Okay, but here we see that the empowering of the Spirit oftentimes isn't automatic. Okay, in Acts 2, as the disciples were obedient to Jesus' command, it came as a response to prayer. Okay, in Acts 8, the Samaritans get filled with the Spirit. Now, what does the empowering of the Holy Spirit do? Okay, I, I wrote down a couple of things, okay, but um, it oftentimes you get a new desire for praise and worship. Okay, so in uh, preparing for my sermon, I started to try to look uh, back in my emails because, you know, like Gmail has like a, a ton of storage. So I started like looking, okay, what's, what's, uh, how did God bring me along this journey? Because for me, I like to talk and I like to share. And even before I was really following the Lord, whenever stuff would happen, I'd always like email my friends. So I was looking through my emails, okay? And so I came across this email in 2005. That's 14 years ago, right? <laughs> Yeah, 2005, okay. <laughs> in 2005, and I started reading through this email, and I was like, oh my goodness, did I used to talk like this? Because I remembered, like, the sins and the stuff that I struggled with, but I forgot that I would use certain terminology like boy toy or, you know, these kind of weird, strange, different things. So I'm reading through this, and I was like, oh my goodness, thank you, God, for saving me and filling me with, with your spirit, Okay. So I was reading through this email. This is when I had just come to Korea, and I had just left college. And, you know, Korea was great at the time because you had, like, no last call for drinking. You could go on and on and hours and go from Icha, Icha, you know, like one place and next place. And so I'm reading this email, and I thought it was interesting because in that email I wrote, oh, I've been going to church every Sunday, and, uh, but also my Hagwon people like to drink. <laughs> And so I'm reading through this, and I was like, oh, wow, God's spirit, he, he lives within me. But I had, I had trouble, and I struggled, right? And so I continued to read on through these different emails. So 2005, I had just come from college where uh, my life was, like, very, like, all over the place. Like, I read, you know, like, I'm a fun person, so I like drinking, and I like partying and socializing, and, you know, I can, like, woo some people, and... And so it was just very, if I could put it together, was like a very debaucherous time, I would say. Okay, but I knew the Lord at an early age. Okay, and there was a deep longing in my heart for connection and for love that I tried to find elsewhere through different means. Okay, so that's 2005. I keep going to church and I'm trying my best to read the Bible. And so I'm searching through these emails and it's like I see a common thread like, oh, I'm really trying not to drink more. I'm really trying to read the Bible more. And I was like, oh, wow. Holy Spirit, thank you, Lord. <laughs> okay. It wasn't just this thing. Okay. So what happened was I was dating this guy from my Hagwon, and we started attending our church now. So New Philly back then was JCF. And it was 2006, and he's getting ready to leave a month later. And so as we're sitting in service, the pastor's like, oh, yes, we're going to have this retreat. Uh, please sign up. And so I turned to him. I'm like, hey, you want to go to the retreat? He's like, no, nah, I don't want to go because I'm leaving in a month. And I was like, okay, I think I'm going to go. Okay, so I signed up for the retreat. Now, back then, it was so hard for me to talk with Christians because I was never around Christians for, like, say, about 10 years of my life. And so it was so awkward. You know, like, when you're new at church and you have to go into this, like, 
everyone like seems like they know each other and then and then I was like, Oh my gosh, what do people talk about like in the daytime? Like no one's no one's drinking because at that point all my social circles were at night and revolved around drinking. So I myself, although I seem very outgoing, I'm actually a little bit shy. Let that sink in a little bit, okay? I know that's hard to believe, okay? I w it, so in any kind of new social setting, I always go and I observe, okay? The, oh, there's Chika over there, and then, oh, okay, seems like these people. So I tried to get a gauge of my social platform before entering, and so, oh, man, it was so awkward, okay? And I didn't know anybody. I, well, I knew John Michael. I knew one person because I volunteered at his orphanage, and he was, like, super holy because I volunteered, and then when I said bye, he was like, God bless. And I was like, oh, my goodness, this guy's really holy. <laughs> so I knew him, but very on the casual, casual basis. And so I go there, you know, again, all I really remember was there was a couple cute guys and that I felt awkward, okay? But at the last service, this preacher talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I was like, oh, and this guy was like, he, he was like this like Korean guy, but he was like a gangster. And he was like, wait, he, he like shouted a lot. And I was like, oh, whoa, so loud. And, 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 and I was like, oh, what's going on? But I remember distinctly at the beginning of the service, I was like, Lord, I don't know this guy. He's shouting a lot. But I give, I, I'm open to what you have for me, Lord, today. Amen. Okay, so this guy's preaching, and then it's, it's altar ministry time. And so, you know, people stand up, and then he, and, and, and I'm trying my best not to be distracted. So I'm trying to pray, but then it's like, it's so loud. And then, you know, you kind of like do the, 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 what's going on? You look, and then I'm like, oh, he's coming, he's coming. I, gotta, I can focus, I can focus. And so then I see all these people like falling down. And I'm like, why are they? No, 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 focus, focus, focus. Oh, who's that guy? Oh, focus, focus, focus. I really had trouble focusing back then because I had that wandering eye, you know what I'm talking about? So I was, I was trying, and then I just hear this preacher, and then he comes up to me, and he pushes me. He pushes me to the ground, and I'm on the ground, and I'm like, why did he push me? Why? He didn't have to push me. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh! And I just start weeping for like an hour. Okay, many of you know that I cry a lot now, okay, but back then, my heart was so hard, I, like, wouldn't cry. You know how, like, Korean culture, they're like, why are you crying? Stuff it back there. Stop crying, you know? So, Korean culture, they really teach you to just, oh, I'm sad, push it back, push it back. Oh, I'm angry, push it back, push it back. Like, you know, very, not very high emotional intelligence. And so, I cried for an hour, and I, lo I remember looking to the left of me, and this girl's crying, this girl's crying, and I was like, What's going on? Why are they crying? Why did that guy push me? Oh! And, then, and then I just cried for an hour. And then I was like, you know, after you have a long cry, it's an hour. That's a long time, right? And then I was like, I'm so tired. Like, what, what is going on right now? And so then this guy, Pastor James, he has an altar call. And he's like, leaders of the church, I want you to come up and get prayer. And I, I ran to that altar call which is really weird because I that didn't come from like any kind of like Holy Spirit background. I grew up very conservative and Baptist. And so we didn't have altar calls. That was like one of my first altar calls that I ran to. Um, and at the time, I didn't really think like I'm not a leader. I just, 
had a desire to go, so I just ran up to the front, right? And I got prayer from this guy, okay? So later in small group, I'm with John Michael, remember the really holy guy, okay? So he's still at the Seoul campus, really nice, but we're sharing as a small group, and so he's saying, like, oh, hey, so Pastor James led this altar call, and maybe about 10 people came up. So I'm, like, mentally processing this, and I was like, I, I was one of those people up there. And he was like, and he only prayed for two people. And I was like, okay, I was one of those people that he prayed for. So I'm trying to, like, mentally process all what's going on, and I'm like, wait, wait, what is going on? What is going on right now? Because at the time, as you know, I was a hot mess, okay? And so I go to this retreat, and a couple days later, I leave for the States. So it was my first trip back home visiting my friends um, since, you know, leaving America. And so I'm on this plane, and I'm, like, trying to process, because it's a lot of time. It's, like, 14 hours back to my hometown. And so I'm, I'm just, like, sitting there. I'm, like, what? happened. Like, I cried for an hour. And then I just came to the conclusion on the plane, I think I encountered God. <laughs> because, because I was so hard-hearted that I had just hadn't cried in that long, and I was just like, there's no logical reason for me to have cried. And so I came to the conclusion, I think I encountered God. Okay, And the next conclusion was, I think I'm going to stop getting drunk and sleeping around. And I just made that conclusion by myself. And so I go home and I start telling people what happened and they're like, how could you quit drinking on the plane before you came to America? <laughs> Couldn't you have quit drinking after you came back? And I was like, I'm sorry. And so I stood my ground. I didn't drink. I still like, went to the club and, and then whatever. And, you know, you know, you know it, it, we're all on a process, okay? We can't. I still go to the club and like do stuff, but I try my best not to drink. And from there was a trajectory where I just started going hard after God. I started like, man, I really wanted more of the things of God. Yeah, looking back, I'm not sure if that was a baptism of the Spirit or whatever, but I just try to like look back, right? So in that journey, it was like a, a year-long journey, okay? So that's September 2005. I'm going to church every week, and it took me three months to make myself talk to people and not feel awkward. It was really horrible, okay? And then I think what happened was I joined small group and that's like a lot easier, okay? So that's a plug for small group, yeah, okay? So I joined small group and started getting more connected to the community, but it was like this. I have one foot in the world and one foot at church, right? Which is fine. Again, we're on a process. And so John Michael, the, the white guy that, oh, I didn't mention he's white, he's white, but anyway, he, my small group leader at the retreat, he was like, hey, Mina, um, I'm going to be doing this read the Bible in a year uh, Bible study, and it's going to start before church. Do you want to join? And so I, I, like, I was like, hold on, hold on. So that's like 11 a.m., which means that I have to wake up at 10 a.m., which means that if I go out to the club, I get home at 4, I only have six hours of sleep. And so I was like doing all this in my mind. I was like, I need to get back to you. Because <laughs> I... I wanted to be, you know, have a commitment. So I really had to think these through. I was like, oh, that does that mean I can't go clubbing? Does that mean I have to go home at 2 a.m. so I can get eight hours? I'm really bad without a lot of sleep. And, and, so, and so I'm, I'm, you know, doing all these things. And so, and so I joined the Bible study, and I started to read the Bible in a year. 
And, you know, I was around all these, like, pretty holy people. So, you know, when holy people talk, they're like, oh, yeah, like, I was doing something, and then I felt the peace of God. And I'm like, what are you talking about? What is the peace of God? And, and so uh, I remember one day I was on the subway, and I had uh, attended this, like, uh, orphanage, like, prayer meeting, like, to pray because I was volunteering at an orphanage every month, every week. And so I'm at this thing, and I'm, like, talking to this Anmi, and I'm like, oh, Anmi, like, you know, I'm really hungering after God and this, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, oh, what's, <laughs> what's that in your bag? And she's like, what's that in your bag? I'm like, oh, it's a costume for this Halloween party I'm attending after the prayer meeting. <laughs> And so, and so she looks at me with this look, and I was like, don't judge me. Do not judge me, and don't say anything. And she looks at me, she's like, I'm going to be like Jacob, and I'm going to take your blessing. Like this, and I'm like, oh, why did you have to go and say that? It was Mijang on me, my love, that said that to me. And so I'm on the subway getting ready, because it's like one of my favorite DJs is coming to this hotel, and I have my bag in my hand with my costume, and so then I'm talking with this guy, Roy, he was uh, at our campus, and so he, if you know him, he's just like, he just listens, and he, he, he has these really sympathetic eyebrows, and he looks like, you know those people like this, and they just look at you like this, and you feel understood, right? And so I'm telling him, I'm like, you know, like I'm really hungry after God, and then this, and all these things happen, what's the big deal, I'm not drinking, I'm not hooking up with guys anymore, like I'm just going there to dance, blah, 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 blah. And I don't know why she had to say this. And then I was like, oh, I, I don't think I should go today. He didn't say anything. He just was nodding with the eyebrows. And so I was like, oh, I think she's right. I'm just not going to go. And so that day, I did not go. And I walked home. And for the first time, I felt the peace of God. And I was like, oh, this is, this is what people are talking about. I just felt this peace. And I was like, Oh, thank you, God. So it was like it was like it was a process because that was a year, right? And so I then I go on to my first missions trip with our church to the Philippines. Man, John Michael, he's like all in my story, but he was on my team as well. And so um, it was like a really powerful trip where uh, the baptism of the Spirit was preached, and I, and and I was really struggling because I'm like you know we're praying for people, and then you know how like I told you I have a little bit of trouble focusing, so. I, I open my eyes, and then I see my teammates. They're, like, praying for people. And people are, like, getting laid out. And I'm praying for people like this, and I'm praying, I'm praying, praying, praying. And then I, like, open my eyes, and, you know, they're just, like, staring at me. And, and every person I prayed for, nothing was happening. So I was like, oh, I was like, oh, that was, like, my first sober birthday. What's going on? Like, I, I, I thought, you know, the power of God was going to come. And I was, like, so discouraged, right? And, and then one of the last services... I'm like praying, and I'm like, oh, forget it. I'm just not going to pray anymore. I'm just going to praise God. And so I'm like, oh, and I'm praying, and then I see on the corner of my eye, our team leader is like, come here. And I'm like, I walk up on stage. I'm like, yeah. He's like, lift up your hands. I'm like, why? <laughs> He's like, receive this prayer. I was like, okay. And so I sat there, and, and or I stood, and I received this paper, prayer, and I thought to myself, I don't think I'm going to. I don't think I want to fall down. It's so funny, right? Very logical, this person, me. So I was like, I don't think I'm going to fall down. All I remember, I was like, whoa, I'm fighting. I'm like, whoa, I don't want to fall, I don't want to fall. And then 
I think somehow I get to the ground and I just get this supernatural everything. I get filled with the spirit. I get this like, I get my prayer language. And later I hear from my friends, they're like, oh, man, it was like you were like going like this, like this in a circle. <laughs> because at that time I didn't know what was happening. When I, looking back, I was like, oh, I was resisting. But I got the baptism of the spirit then and then my prayer language all once. Now, I do want to mention that some Pentecostals believe that if you don't have the gift of tongues, that you're not saved. And I don't think it's that extreme, okay? I think that if you have the baptism of the Spirit, that you can speak in tongues, you just have to speak in tongues, okay? So, that's my experience. And that was in 2007, and since then, I've just been going hard after God, and it's through, it's not, it wasn't just this one-time experience. It's time sometimes I'd be praying in my room, and I feel like a fresh feeling of God. It's other times my friends would pray for me or different ministers would come. Okay, but it's like a continual filling of the Spirit. Now, I think it's Apostle Paul. He says, do not be drunk with wine, right? But be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Isn't that weird? Why is he all of a sudden, he's talking about alcohol, and then why is he all of a sudden talking about the Holy Spirit, okay? Because drunk people, to stay drunk, you need to keep drinking alcohol, right? After a while, it wears out, okay? So just like this, the Holy Spirit, it's not just a one-time thing, but we have to continually be filled by the Spirit. Now, I love what John Piper says. He says that it's essential that we have an experience with God, experiential nature of the Holy Spirit. He talks about how the move of the Spirit is becoming really global and dynamic and it's effective because people are actually hungry for experiential reality. Okay? It's not just doctrinal facts or historical facts that are affirmed by the mind, which is often, you know, kind of Western Christianity. Okay? But if you look at the kind of like the third world nations, like you look at Africa or South America, it's like blowing up the moves of the Spirit because people are hungry for a real relationship with God. Okay, it says in Zechariah 4, 6, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, okay, which is talking about strength and efficiency, or not by power, okay, this word means human strength, but by my spirit. Okay, so many times we try to live more disciplined lives for the Lord, which isn't bad, okay, but oftentimes... For us to really be compelled to do what we're called to do, God needs to empower us by his spirit. Okay, so you look at Apostle Peter. Before the outpouring of the spirit, what did he do? Remember the rooster crowed? Okay, he denied Christ three times. Okay, but now after the Pentecost, the spirit is poured out. He preaches his next sermon and 3,000 people are saved. Okay, the baptism of the Spirit or the empowering is so that we can do what we've been called to do on this earth. Okay, we're going to have uh, the praise team come up. And we're just going to have a response time to the message. I know I kind of talked quite fast, but I, I found, I really felt pressed to kind of, we need to look through scripture because... Whatever God is starting to do in our lives, it has to be based on the word. So I hope that um, you guys can kind of look over the scripture that we went over today. Dig in the scripture and find for yourselves. 
you know, different passages of why the baptism of the Spirit is important and needed. Okay, so I want us to just kind of close our eyes, take some time and pray. Uh, just ask for the Holy Spirit to fill you afresh. Uh, for some people, some people might ask, oh, well, what is the baptism of the Spirit? Like, have I gotten it? Um, I'm not sure. If, if you're not sure, I would propose to say that you probably have not been baptized by the Spirit, okay? Because uh, it usually is kind of an experiment, experiential thing, okay? And for some of you who've been baptized by the Spirit, but you've been feeling dry, it's been in your own works, okay, let's kind of press in together and ask that God will fill you with His Spirit.